Oh, awesome. Zach Lloyd, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me on, Anthony. Really excited to chat about Warp today. I am a Warp super user. It's been my terminal of choice now for maybe going on six months or so. I think Chris is going to be a noob to it. So you'll get a little bit of the expert in the newbie convo here. We'll love to hear a little bit about yourself and Warp, why you decided to create it and all that. Sure. About me, I'm a, I've been a developer now for 20 plus years. Prior to Warp, I was a developer at Google for a long time. I was actually the tech lead for the Google Docs suite. And most of my time I spent working on Google Sheets, helped run that the engineering team on that app and actually helped build a lot of that app. I've also done one startup before, which was a company called Selfmade. It was actually in like the marketing technology space. When I was thinking about what to do after that, I was looking for project that uh, would solve a problem that I personally had, trying to improve software that I use every day. I was interested in making the lives of developers better. You know, I just sort of thought about tools that I regularly use. And one that I use often and not that satisfied with was the terminal and command line. And basically ended up thinking with Warp that there was a significant opportunity to take a, a tool that is like a daily use tool for most developers and try to meaningfully improve it. I thought it was an interesting like point of leverage for you know, improving developer productivity across the board. Had to do some convincing that there was an actual like business to build around this. Like there's no terminal company in the world really that's existed before. I think that was the biggest leap of faith and still something we, we need to prove. As far as like room for improvement in the core product, the more I thought about it, the more excited I got, the more I thought you could actually do something that was not just improving the UX, but also making the app collaborative and making it a better tool for reliability, a tool for making systems more secure, and that there would be an enterprise business. So company started a little over two years ago, right after COVID started, and we've been at it ever since. It's funny that it's a tool that every developer uses the terminal and tends to use it all day. So it's both funny that there weren't terminal companies before and that it took the convincing to be like, hey, this power tool for developers is something that's important. I think it's partly just because, you know, there's that old adage that like developers just hate paying for stuff. So I could see where a lot of developers would be like, oh, I don't need to like pay for a terminal. Like I'm just going to hack my, oh my zish and Starship, get all this kind of custom thing together. And I've gone down that route before having used warp and then trying to like configure my own terminal. I'm at the point now where like, please take my money. I want someone <laughs> to actually figure out how to do this for me. It's just so complicated. Like there's so much configuration and so many things you can do with a terminal that having the DX there for you is just really, really key. So why don't we talk about what are some of these features that makes a developer with warp so productive? You touched on it a little bit in the sense that we've gotten rid of a lot of the configuration overhead. So when you come into Warp, a lot of things that take time and Googling and asking other people on your team how to set up are just there for you. And that's things like built-in completions, auto-suggestions, theming, the basics of the experience are, are more intuitive and take less work. We've also changed some of the basic UX of the terminal, I would say. And, and the biggest things people do in the terminal are 
the input commands and then they deal with the output of those commands. And in Warp, we've made a conscious effort to make both input and output work, I think, in a much better way. So on like the input side, you're using a real text editor, essentially. You're not using what comes with your default terminal. And like, I'd say the most noticeable thing with that out of the gate is like the mouse works in it, which in a normal terminal, you try and click and put the cursor someplace, nothing happens. You try and double click text, the selection shows up, you hit delete, it deletes a character at the end of the line. It's like you try and enter a multi-line command and you want to figure out how do I go back to the line before you start hitting up, it starts putting your history entries in. The normal terminal input, I think, is a very unintuitive thing that people, probably without realizing it, waste a ton of time on. We've made something there that works much more like editing code in something like VS Code. On the output side, probably the biggest visual difference in Warp is that we have this concept called blocks. When you run a command, we group the command with its output. It's almost like a notebook. You can sort of like navigate around your terminal on a command by command basis. You can easily like copy paste a command without like trying to like drag the mouse and select exactly the right characters, which is a big pain if you're working with long output. Anything you do in Warp, you can get a permalink to and, and share it as a block. So again, it's like much better than screen sharing for a long command. Input and output are very, very different. And then we've added some things that are just novel. Like we have a, a really cool integration with Codex from OpenAI where we'll do natural language search. We have a concept called workflows where you can templatize command snippets. And I know we have an open source repo around searching for those templatized commands in Warp. So we're really just trying to push the basic UX of it forward right now. Yeah, you mentioned real quickly in there, OpenAI. For people who don't know, that's the company behind the technology that powers Copilot. So the idea of having AI embedded in your terminal, I think is something that we still haven't really gotten to the point where we are with Copilot, but that's like another, just that in itself is such a huge thing. The thing you said about inputs though, is what really stuck out to me, just being able to navigate around, like you say, an intuitive way, it made such a huge difference. And and then if I ever ended up on a computer now without warp, now that I'm used to it, I can't deal with it. I'm just like, why is this terminal so bad? So I was like, to me, that is the real test of a good product is that once you take it away, it adds all this pain back in. It's such a testament to what you built. I'd be curious to get Chris's take here, though. And I've never really asked you, Chris, how is your terminal set up? My terminal, I would say, is jazzy enough most of the time. I'm a ZSH user, use Fig and Starship, I think that's like the thing, whatever that thing is. I don't know. I'm really more just to hardly use over like, I'm going to get the most customized terminal experience ever because at the end of the day, I'll probably wipe my computer in a year or move to a different computer and have to set it up again. And I know what everyone's going to say, just host the config file on GitHub or something, but... That's not my jam. I don't have time for that. I've got stuff to do. I think this is really, really interesting area. We've seen reinventions of the terminal from before. The biggest thing that comes to mind is Hyperterm, Hyperterminal. But that is in Electron. Warp is different, isn't it? Yeah, so Warp is a uh, native Rust app on Mac. We built it. It's Rust like the whole way through. So it's completely full stack. Even in our code base, like we have a, our own UI framework that we've developed. The plan is to open source once it's a little bit more mature. Even like the graphics code is we have shader code. The reason we did this stack and not Electron was performance. We actually prototyped Warp to start as an Electron app. It was fast to build something, but slow to use. 
with the Rust app, the performance is much better. One of my big takeaways from my time working on Google Docs and on Google Sheets in particular was that we tried forever to get the performance of Google Sheets to be like on par with Excel and we optimized the crap out of it. But at a certain point, we felt like we were fighting the platform a bit. Like you don't have the level of control of like, what's the memory layout of a spreadsheet cell? You can't really fully control that in JavaScript. Whereas, you know, in Rust, we have complete control and the performance, at least by default, is as fast as you can get. So we very heavily biased towards picking the fastest possible stack, even if it's a little bit more coding work up front. We've had a really positive experience developing the language. That's really interesting because Rust is this language that the more that everything goes on, the more you're seeing it's popping up as the keyword. The next generation tool, built in Rust. Successor, built in Rust. And it's almost like, I think I saw a comment on Hacker News that was like, well, how do you know it's built in Rust? Because they'll say it's built in Rust. <laughs> Quite simply, new terminal, built in Rust. Uh, and I think we saw that with Vercel and their TurboPack successor is literally Webpack in Rust. <laughs> I saw the news on that. That's funny. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a marketing angle to it. Like, that wasn't why we picked it. But the Rust, people are super into Rust. Like, I'm sure you guys look at, it's the GitHub developer survey or you know, maybe it's a Stack Overflow one. I forget who puts it out, but it's like the number one language. I think it's by a significant margin that developers are interested in working in these days is Rust, which is kind of wild. Yeah, they call it the most loved language is usually most loved language. I've been dipping my toes in Rust just a little bit. I was playing around with like some Rust lambdas the other day and it's really nice. Like it's fast, has good error messages. It's like, I'm a fan so far. Did you have Rust experts on the team already or did you have people who wanted to get spun up with it? How do you hire for that kind of skill set? We had one person who joined us very early who had been working in Rust and he had some Rust code that he brought with him. And that was a super helpful way for us all. Like the rest of us, and there were only like four or five of us at this time to get up to speed on it. Most people on the team have learned Rust. We've hired a few people who had a lot of deep pre-existing knowledge, but we don't screen for Rust when we're hiring. We just try to hire the best possible generalist engineers. And, you know, there is like a, I'd say, pretty significant learning curve for Rust, more so than JavaScript or TypeScript or Python or Go or anything like that. But if you're an engineer with solid fundamentals, I think you can pick it up and become pretty good at it in like a month or two. And after that, it's like a super nice language to work in. Like we have very few crashes. You do end up fighting with the compiler probably more than you do in other languages. But I actually think better to fight with the compiler early on and have like something that has fewer crashes and performs well than to like have a very permissive development environment where like you have null pointer exceptions that come up later or dangling references or memory leaks and that kind of stuff. So I think on the whole, the trade-off has been great for us. I think it's also a great choice of a language because it's uh, multi-platform by design. You're not limited to using it on Mac OS only. You can use it on Linux, you can use it on Windows, you can use it on Mac. Really, how does each operating system affect your custom terminal? Because obviously, Windows writes commands completely different to how Mac write commands. Well, I think Warp is not available on Windows, right? At the moment, we're Mac only. But the premise of the question was was kind of right in the sense that like, one of the other big reasons we picked Rust was that it got very good multi-platform support. About 90% of our code base is stuff that we will compile for these other platforms. So we'll compile it for Linux, which is probably what we'll do next. We'll compile it for the web, actually. We're very interested in doing like a WebAssembly, WebGL-based version of Warp. And then we'll compile it for Windows. 
Windows, I'll just be honest, I don't really know. I'm not so much of a Windows user. And so it's like we may end up just supporting the Linux subsystem on Windows, but we may actually build something that is used as the main terminal on Windows. I'm just not a Windows <laughs> expert. I like hardly use it. Like my experience is all Mac and Linux, but we, you know, it's our second highest, most requested GitHub issue. Number one is a Linux Yeah, it's tough. And this issue comes up with open source as well. It's like you have an open source team and the whole team is Mac users. And then there's this whole subset of Windows users who are like, when can I use this thing? And they're just like, oh, sorry. We 100% want to support it. Our goal is to have like a great product, at least on one platform first. And then the when we feel like the product, which is still beta right now and still has numerous rough edges we have 750 open issues in our github repo like there's a lot of stuff to improve we will definitely take it to more platforms that's a big part of our plan well this is an example of where being an actual company and not an open source project is where you can say like okay we have a financial incentive to support windows users because it's obviously a huge chunk of potential users so i think that's good because this is where open source projects get caught up as they're like well we can't support windows because we're not being funded and we're just kind of doing what we want to do because we're devs building a thing for ourselves and like that's nice for the open source team but it really sucks for the windows user so actually having these things be products with companies, it can be a good thing and the the incentives can align there. I would be curious, obviously you're still a beta tool and there's not really like a huge monetization angle yet, but what are your thoughts in terms of how this is going to become a sustainable business? You said it right. So we're, we're a company, we're trying to build a business. I think that's an advantage in this space. Like there have not been businesses before. I think having raised capital actually allows us to hire a team of people who are fully dedicated to this problem space, which I think is a big enabler for us building something really cool. And like you said, for being able to take it across platforms, the business that we're trying to build and have are not super far along on is one where companies are buying warp for their teams and companies are buying warp for their organization. We're not, at least not at the moment, planning on building something where we directly charge individuals. Maybe there's some future angle on that, but I I actually think it's, you know, our best business plan and go to market is to have a free individual product that developers love, that they share with their friends, that they share with their teammates, that they bring into their companies. And then more similar to something like, say, Figma or Notion, like the business angle and like the paid product will be like features around collaboration, features around like, how do you make it easier to onboard an engineer into the terminal, for instance, or how do you make the terminal a more effective tool for firefighting, or how do you make the terminal a more secure environment, or how do you make the terminal integrate really well with the company's internal tooling? And so all of those things, I think if we can demonstrate that there's sort of ROI and that Warp is making developers more productive, we'll charge businesses for it. That's the plan. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I can imagine even just the security angle, you know, just picking up one of those threads would be huge. If you could have a tool where you can, you know, manage environment variables for your company, because I know like when I got onboarded at my company, I was like, all right, here's this 30 line environment variable file. I'm going to copy paste into Slack and then delete from Slack so that no one happens to see us sitting on your computer. Save this in your one password. And it's just like, this is the process? Really? No, it's crazy how much stuff is like that. Like people copy pasting API keys into the terminal. Like, I mean, the last time I did this from like GCP or AWS, there was like some web page that was like, copy this now because you'll never see it again. And then it's like the API key goes off into the ether and you just like hope that it's stored someplace secure. And it probably ends up in some 
local environment file on someone's laptop, which is crazy. And it, like, I think there's, you can build an entire company just around this, like Doppler, that company. There's companies who are just trying to solve this problem. What's cool about Warp is similar to something like Chrome. It's like, we're the actual tool. And so I think we have a really interesting entry point for improving these types of things rather than building something that sits alongside the tool. It's a big investment to get it going. And it's a big investment to get the actual terminal itself to be something that's awesome. But I, you know, all of these tangential DevX problems and security problems and reliability problems flow through the terminal. So we think we have a pretty cool point of leverage for improving all those things. I think this is a really interesting space as, as you mentioned at all of Doppler, I think that's really interesting. But then I see things like Fig are starting to gain features of Doppler. They're two completely different systems. And then there's also Raycast. That's more like a command bar than a terminal, but it kind of works like a terminal. I think what the biggest thing here and what I'm sure you're, you're working on is that the way we've been developing using the terminal hasn't changed in, you know, 10 to 20 years it's always just been that terminal and the way javascript tools have moved the modern tools we orchestrate a lot more from the terminal now in terms of you know starting our projects opening web pages formatting code you know all of it is orchestrated by commands that run through terminals you know my biggest question is we have tools that abstract the command line. The perfect example is Git. How many times does the first time user of Git just go for a GUI instead of the CLI? Well, pretty much 90% of the time because the GUI is much easier to, to just get your Git up <laughs> onto GitHub. But you know, how do we teach them how to do that Git properly? How do we say, okay, these are the first commands to run. These are second commands, third commands. And if they do it wrong, how do you correct it? How do you guide them along that path? Because even I find terminal to be such a black box. Everyone can write a help message differently. Some people put hyphen hyphen H, some people hyphen hyphen help. And it's sometimes so crazy. But the biggest thing that I think I'm really getting down to is how do you view the terminal today? And do you think that warp could provide potentially future standardization for some of these formatting of things we're doing? It's a great point. So to the terminal versus GUI, first part of the question, the interesting thing to me is like, there's certain built in advantages if you can do things in the terminal, the terminal as opposed to a GUI is sort of infinitely flexible in terms of like, you can pass in like any combination of arguments. And if you wanted to build the GUI to do everything you can do and get, it would be the world's like most complex, completely unusable GUI. The terminal, because it works with these text-based apps, there's advantages in terms of like, you can script them all, which is super cool. You can compose them so you can take the output of one and put the input to the other. You know, I do think at the end of the day, it's to every developer's advantage if they can actually get comfortable in the terminal because it's power tool and it can really level up your productivity. To the second part of your question, which is like, well, how do you get people to be more comfortable in the terminal and how do you get them to be effective and how do you standardize it? That's like a big part of the mission of our company is to try to solve some of these problems around onboarding into the terminal, around making the terminal easier tool to learn around documentation. And yeah, I do think like it would be awesome if, if we could standardize some of these things. For instance, like even like I man pages is a good example. Like every tool outputs its help in like a crazy different way. It would be super nice if there was a standard format for outputting help that the terminal could then process and turn into something that's structured and searchable that you know a user could use. Those types of ideas are super valuable. We've already built some features that I think do help with this. Like for instance, in Warp, we have a feature where if you paste a command into Warp, 
you can sort of hover over the flags with your mouse or use like command I and we'll show you what they mean. So it's like if you pay something from the internet and you understand what you're about to do, we'll help you do it. Yeah, there's just so much room for improvement and it is like a kind of black box that I think really needs to be improved. How I see a potential future is as soon as you, you know, CD into a directory, I feel like the first thing to do is like LS, see what's in the directory. Or then if you know that it's a JavaScript program, you know that then you've got open package.json, see the commands you need to run. My revolutionary feature, if you build this, I'm going to call it, is that as soon as you CD into like a project structure, it says, here's the commands that you're probably going to use. It's probably going to be these top four commands. We've worked out a yarn project or a compiled project, and you're probably going to run these four commands. Do that. I think that's super cool. But also like there's so much area of innovation when it comes to things like, you know, it sounds simple, but Next.js spitting out tons of errors and the error page just goes on for days and you don't see the first error because the bottom error is already pushed it off the top. How do you actually make that easier? Is there a way to get that to where you could crunch the brackets? And I guess this whole thing about rewriting that complete terminal experience will provide this functionality going forward. That one's an awesome example. So that's literally something that we, you know, we've been talking about building, which is like the experience of working with like long log output. I think there's so many things you could do to make that better. You could align contents, you could make it filterable. If there's JSON in it, you could make that JSON like have like a sort of navigable structure. And this is all stuff that we can do in Warp. Whereas in a traditional terminal experience, I think it would be very, very hard to do because it's like the normal terminal is just a character rendering device. Like you send characters in, something on the other side is listening, whether it's the shell or some other running program, that program sends characters out. The terminal has no idea what those characters mean. Doesn't know if it's like part of a command that's just been run. It doesn't know if you're in Vim. Like it just has no freaking idea. In Warp, we have at least some idea of where a command starts and ends. Even just that minimal structure would allow us to do something like you're talking about, Chris, where it's like we could make the editing or like the viewing of a long log output so much more pleasant for people. Exactly. I think it gets 10 times worse when you're SSHing into a remote machine where you definitely do not have any other interface. So that, that situation is horrible to me. So you don't have another option because those machines don't have a GUI. And then typically when you SSH in, you just all of a sudden, all of your terminal settings go away. And it's like, uh-oh, my aliases, my completions, all of that stuff is gone. And so our SSH experience in Warp, you keep that stuff. So you keep your completions, at least you keep your themes. The way the editor works doesn't change. It's not a perfectly seamless experience just yet. It's a thing that people want us to keep improving, but 100% like that's another experience. Anytime I'm a developer and I'm in like some remote box, I'm like, uh-oh. In a typical terminal, it's like, it's at least significantly better in Warp. Does Warp support things like Bash, ZSH, Fish, you know? And what, in your eyes, really makes each one different and why they're important instead of just one singular, you know, this is just ZSH is like, as we've seen with Apple, they basically said, Bash is gone, ZSH is in. And everyone just went, okay, like, does it really make a difference? And really, how important is, you know, the alternative ways of writing commands? Because truly, I swapped from Bash to ZSH. And did I really even notice a difference? So with Warp, we support Bash, ZSH, and Fish. You can run any of those shells. 
Most of our users are on ZSH just because that's now the default shell on Mac. From Warp's perspective, it really is, is up to the user. And like the reason we supported those shells is because they're the most popular ones. And we wanted to make it super easy for a developer to try Warp without like losing any of their existing config. So if you come in using ZSH or any of those shells, we use your existing config. So all your environment variables, your aliases, your path, all of that stuff just works out of the box. At some point, I think we would actually consider writing a shell just because the philosophy of Warp has been the more sort of full stack we can be, the more vertically integrated we can be, the better developer experience that we can give around the tool. But that's not something that's on the short-term roadmap. And like our priority right now is to make it easy for developers to transition on the tool, try it out, see if it's helping them get more done. And to do that, the easiest thing was to support people's existing shells. Yeah, I believed Apple moved from Bash to OSH because of open source reasons. That's right. So there was, I believe, like the later versions of Bash, and I don't want to get this wrong, were like a GPL license. It was a license that Apple did not want to ship with. So they switched the default to being CSH. And if you do use Bash on Mac, the default one, you end up with a super old version of Bash. And so a lot of people will use Homebrew to install a more recent Bash if they want to use it. Chris, since we don't say Zed over here across the pond, they call it Zish. (laughs) Zish. I wouldn't know that. See, I'm terrible with pronunciations. Or just British. Are you sure it's pronounced Zish or is this another Dino situation? Well, this is the problem when you invent a new word that's made up of nothing but consonants. No one knows how to pronounce it. I say Z-S-H. You say Zish? I've heard other people say Zish. Maybe Z-S-H is another one because it's like Z-S-H has three syllables. Zish, one syllable. He's the most elegant to me. Okay. I like it. It's closest. So I think it's like fish. Like there's the fish shell. So if you add Z, it's a Zish shell. Anyway, we're getting a little off on tangents here. I would be curious. You said you have, you know, hundreds of open issues. Is something still in beta? You know, you've got a lot of people wanting to do a lot of things with this tool. How do you prioritize? How do you decide what to work on? That's a tough one. We want to fix the things that have the highest user impact first. We have to balance that against how hard those things are to fix, to be honest, like in how many resources we have. So this is this is like the generic end manager answer. Trying to fix things that have the highest impact that we can do with the least effort. And then we're, we're trying also not just to fix things that users are asking for, but to sort of push the state of the art further and build things that we think are going to make the overall developer experience better and things that are important for positioning the company for success. We're right now building out our initial set of like more collaborative features and trying to test those. And, you know, it's some combination of pushing the company forward and addressing the biggest pain points that users have where we think it's going to you know, solve the most people's pain with the least effort. What does the next six months look like in terms of roadmap? It's building things that are like trying to fix things that are top user issues. And so those would be like, for example, things like reordering tabs or making the input position flexible, like those types of issues. It's trying to make some things on the single user experience better. We're doing a lot of work around assistive command input, a feature there that we are working on and possibly in collaboration with this open source project that's called the Fuck. I don't know if I can say that. It's a very 
popular open source repo that does command corrections. And we're trying to build that functionality natively into Warp, where if you mistype a command, we suggest the one that you probably meant to enter. We're working on making our completions extensible. Right now, all of our completions are bundled into Warp. And so we ship with those, but we want to make it so people can add their own completions We are prototyping some concepts around knowledge sharing in the terminal. So for instance, like if you want to have a set of saved commands that your team uses, or if you want to have a a sort of shared terminal notebook or document that again, you know, someone comes onto your team and they're like, how do we do X, Y, Z in the terminal that that could just sort of show up and be available natively for people to use. We're prototyping those concepts and seeing if there's value. So some combination of like fixing existing things that users are asking us to fix and then trying to push the terminal forward. The, I'm not going to pronounce it. <laughs> the whatever you want, want to say, F-U-C-K, is great for if you're also dyslexic and you probably type things in wrong way too often. Well, this is even an attack vector. They'll squat on incorrect NPM names and then try and download malware. Like I've heard this is actually an attack vector. Fascinating. And also it's an accessibility feature. It's an accessibility feature. I mean, that's another area in Warp I think we can do much better than the normal terminal. We've done some work on accessibility to try to make Warp work better with voiceover. We have some folks outside the team who are working with us on that to try to get, like, terminals should be accessible. The fact that we have more structure in the terminal, I think, will allow us to do a much better job of that. So that's another thing that we care about and are trying to fix. Like even just like letting people easily like understand what the output of the last command was, I think is not so easy in a regular terminal because the terminal doesn't know what was a command and what wasn't. And so in Warp, we have this structural advantage that we're trying to use to make it more accessible. And that's a big part of our mission is like the terminal is inaccessible in a lot of different ways. It's like inaccessible for people who have sort of visual impairments. It's inaccessible from a, it's hard to learn. Nothing in it is discoverable. It's a intimidating tool for new developers who are just coming into development for the first time. And they're first experience trying to do some development is like trying to like set up some Python environment or something. It's like, ah, what is this tool doing? And so that is a big part of our mission. It's like, can you make the tool more accessible? Yeah, I've recommended Warp to even very new developers, I know, because I think that, as you say, gives you more insight into what's happening. It gives you a better idea of what commands are at your fingertips. And that's a huge win for newbie developers. We quickly spoke earlier about platforms you support. You said about web, but what about a VS Code integration? How hard would it be to replace the terminal in VS Code with, say, Warp? So we would love to do this. This is also one of our most requested issues. From a technical standpoint, it's challenging. I feel like the order of operations would need to be, we need a working version of Warp in web tech, which is something that we're 100% wanting to build. That's like a significant technical lift. And then we could get a version of Warp into VS Code as sort of a VS Code extension. But like the ideal thing would be to work with the VS Code team if they would ever do this to have like another first class, like their terminal concept right now is not pluggable. They have a whole terminal menu, for instance. And I don't think we could hook Warp into that without some work on their side to do that. I know VS Code is open source, so maybe that's a potential thing that we could build as well. The sort of like workaround for this right now is we have some nice integrations where it's like from Warp, click on a file and have it open in VS Code. From VS Code, you can, there's a keyboard shortcut that you can open Warp in the right directory that you're in. And then we have this feature called Quake Mode, which is 
either you heard of this, it basically lets you like slide your terminal up in front of wherever you are and make it go away, kind of like in the video game Quake. If you really want, you can sort of make it look like the VS Code terminal, but that takes some work. And ideally, I think we would just be in VS Code as an extension. A lot of my time when it comes to terminal now is using the terminal in VS Code, even though it just feels like they're just porting the terminal through from the operating system. But obviously, I bet it's way more complicated than that because you also have things like VS Code on the web now and how does that run on the web and also other online code editors like StackBlitz. Integrate into all of them. That's the plan. Yeah, we would love to do that. I mean, the other thing is so... There's a lot of terminal use cases that are semi like orthogonal to coding that we want to be great for. So for people who are like doing DevOps, for instance, I think you really want like the terminal as like a more powerful thing than the thing at your bottom of your code editor. So we're trying to attack those cases as well. I want to point our listeners also to you've done the rounds on the podcast. You've been on DevTools, Changelog, and Software Daily. I'm always a big fan of CEOs who go out there and communicate. I listen to all these podcasts, you know, really appreciated those. And um, I listened to all of them. I thought they were great. Is there anything else that you want to talk about to let our listeners know about the product or things that are coming up or just anything you want to point people to? We're hiring. The team is growing. And so if this is a space you're interested in, if you're interested in helping developers be more productive, we're hiring for awesome engineers, super cool team. It's remote first, but we have offices in New York and SF. We love product feedback. So anyone who's using it who wants to give us product feedback, we would love that. We have a pretty vibrant Discord. And so, yeah, I like appreciate everyone who's trying more. We're definitely working hard to improve it for folks. And then let our listeners know where they could find it and any like Twitter handles or things like that for yourself or the company you want to share. Yep. So you can uh, you can get Warp just by going to warp.dev. You can also install Warp via Homebrew. We are at warp.dev on Twitter. So fully spelled out, W-A-R-P-D-O-T-D-E-V. If you want to actually follow my Twitter I don't know why, but you're welcome to. It's at Zach Lloyd Tweets. We're on YouTube. We're on TikTok. We have good instructional content. Yeah, please check out all all of our social channels. I guess my final question is, do you prefer terminal in light mode or dark mode? I'm a dark mode person. The only time I use light mode is if I'm outside. Why not sync to the OS? And there you go. We have that. That's a thing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I definitely recommend our listeners check out Warp. I think it's a great tool. It's one that I can put the AJC Web Dev stamp of approval on. Cool. Thank you both for having me on the podcast. It's been awesome. Thank you.